0: It's such an amazing z'chus to have a new z'man upon us and an entire elul. I don't remember if we ever had one since the founding of this yeshiva. I don't know if we've ever had a, an entire month of elul from Rishchidesh all the way till Rosh Yim Kippur to have such a z'man uh, is is very unusual, very rare, and it's something that we should cherish because it gives us an entire month to really marinate in Kedusha, in Tara, and to be able to take all of the the many lessons and the and the beauty of this time of year to its fullest. As we're standing at the beginning of the zman hascholas hasman, I think it's very important to remember the words of the chazanish. The chazanish was once asked by a contractor, by a builder who was building the famous Chasna Hall in Bnei Brak. It was called Ulam Wagshal. Today, also, if you go, many many of the Chasnas in Bnei Brak, are held in a famous hall called Ulam Waksha. Ulam is a hall. Waksha was the person who paid for the hall or built the hall. But the builder came to the Chazanish and said, Rebbe, I'm about to build this. I don't really have enough money uh, to pay for all of the construction costs. They're quite expensive. Uh, What could I cut down on? Tell me what I could skimp on. What materials? Maybe I I could use uh, a thinner... um, Plywood, maybe I, I could use a, a different, cheaper type of substitute for the, uh, for the cement, for the nails. How am I going to save money? So the chazanish says, I'll tell you one thing that you should do. Whatever you're planning on building, on investing in the foundation of the hall, put double the amount in if you're planning on only putting two tons of concrete in the foundation, put four tons of concrete in the foundation. If you're planning on using a certain type of, uh, of, of building material, use a thicker building material in the foundation. He says, Rebbe, you're costing me money. That's not why I came here. I didn't come here to get Eitzes how to make it a, a more expensive project. I'm coming here to ask your how to how to lower the cost of the project. And the Chazanish said, I understand that, but when the yisoid is Chazak, when the foundations are strong, the building will be strong. The more strength that's found in the foundation of something, the more the building will be able to withstand all types of, of problems later in life. Later in the lifespan of the building, Ad Hayyam, from maybe 50, 60 years ago, maybe more, this building is still standing because the foundations were strong. And when we start a year off on the right foot, and we have a right foot to start off, because we're not starting off like we often do three days before Rosh Hashanah, a week before Rosh Hashanah, and we're scrambling straight into the, into the entranceway to Rosh Hashanah, to Yim Adin. Here we have an entire month that we could really engage in the most beautiful thing in the world, and that's sitting and learning Tyra. And when we have this opportunity and we start off strong, then that is the greatest promise, that the entire year will be strong, because the foundations are strong. If you invest early on in building it powerfully and doing everything right, and we'll discuss what that means in a minute then you could understand how the entire year will be that much stronger. If you start off on a shvacha foot, if you're like, I don't oh know, I'm still summery, I'm still in summers, uh, you know, I, I'm not ready yet, I'm gonna you know, maybe wade into it a little slower, that's not the way to do it. The best way to do anything in life is when you start it off, make sure that the foundations are powerfully strong. And then you could just build upon the foundations and you'll see wonders in your learning. This is wedding season By from people. I think by Gayam June is wedding season, or, but right now it seems to be wedding season. I have personally, I don't know, 12, 14 invitations over the past month and beyond. Uh, you know, just everybody's getting married now. It's after the nine days and after Tisha B'av and it's before Rosh Hashanah. So everybody chaps their to get married now. And I want to speak out a few you say this, using weddings as a backdrop, as a muscle, to how we're going to have a beautiful Zman, a beautiful year in Limonat And Limonat really is a wedding in effect, right? It's, it's a is Matan Taira, when we engage in uh in what we're really doing is we're marrying the Rabben Ishlaam. The Tira is our Suva, and we get a relationship with the Ruben Ishlaim through the Leman Tira. You know, it's interesting Rav Shach used to say that when he learns up a sugya, when he learns a Mishnah, let's say, like Beitza Shinol de Biantiv, Baysham Teochel, Ube Solimrim Liteachel, so that's the way everybody learns the Mishnah. You know how Rav Shach says that I understand the Mishnah. biantiv, What we're doing when we're learning any sugya, I don't care what daf of Shas it's on, when you're learning a mechlekas what they're really arguing about is not just who has a fancier svarah. They're arguing on what does God want? What is Hashem's ruts in here? What does Hashem say about this? When you bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into Liman Ha-Tayra, it's an altogether different experience. When you dive into the rabbinic shalom before you start learning that you should give me the Siyat to understand and to, and to love. When you bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, it's a marriage. It's a marriage between us and Rabbi and it makes the taira that much more palpable, that much more real and beautiful in our world. So let's take three Yisaitis from a wedding and try to apply it, try to learn how we could really start this man off right. There's a Gemara in The The Gemara in Dafnun on Dathnun al Amad Aleph, and it's a famous Gemara, it says as follows. Hai Alma kebe Hilula Damya This world, says Chazal, is like a wedding hall. It's like a wedding hall. How is this world like a wedding hall? Chateif Ve'echel you have to chaperain and eat, and you have to chaperain and drink. What does that mean? I don't know about you, but sometimes I come a little late to a chasunal, so I wanna. I'm starving. It's been a long day. I planned on eating by the shmorg, and but the shmorg. I, I came late. There was traffic, and the shmorg. Instead of thinking that I'd have a half an hour to eat. I only have like three minutes to eat. I got there very late. I w- ran over to the Chasm the say mazel Tov, and I run to the to the Shmarg and uh, and and I start eating. But I know that you know. I hear already the music. He's coming in, and the badekins about to start. And as soon as the badekins over, what do they do? They start removing all the food, and I'm starving. So, what do you do? You like run over, you got to do triage. So, first you run over to the sushi station, you hop a couple of plates of sushi, and then you go to the bar and you get whatever you want to get there. And then you go to the meat place, to the carving station, and to the the sesame chicken. And all of that, you you have to do that within the space of three minutes because it's coming to an end. There's not going to be, you don't have hours to do this. You just have a few minutes, and then they're going to take the food away. Chazal tell us that this world is exactly like that. This world is something that there is, a, there is a, um, an expiration date on this world. This world is not forever. There's a shelf life. It doesn't last forever, this world. And I know that when we're young, we think that it does last forever, but it doesn't. And in this world, you have to around. You have to just keep on filling up your pockets with Tyra, with Kedusha, with Yurishamayim, and pretend that it's gonna to come to an end because unfortunately it will. I don't know when. There are some people that live a very long life and there are some people unfortunately that don't, and we don't know. So you have to just completely chaparain. It's a sobering thought and I'm sorry to share it with you, but that's the reality. The Chavitzchayim used to say that the world is like a postcard. How is the world? Does anyone know what a postcard is, first of all? Postcard, back in the day, was something that you sent. It was like a cheaper way of sending a letter instead of sending a whole letter, which cost uh, whatever it cost, and it keeps going up, the stamp, for a regular letter. But uh, a postcard was much cheaper, and it was basically like an index card. And on one side, you put the address, and you put a stamp, a much cheaper stamp. But on the other side, you have one... Yeah, basically uh, an index card size, a postcard size uh, space to write your letter on. And so, what you do, says the Chavetz Chaim, is you write on the top line, you know, Besiat Dishmaya and you know, dear, uh, dear uh, John, um, you know, we're, you know, Baruch Hashem, I'm having a great summer. I'm in camp, and there's that. We just had color war, and then as you're like getting towards the middle of the postcard all of a sudden you realize that you're running out of space and you still have a lot of words to write. So what do you do? You start writing much smaller, and then you see that you know, there's even more to write and, and less room. So you write really tiny, and then you're like, like sort of like writing in a curve around the bend and around every single inch, but you didn't plan ahead. You didn't understand that there was going to be a finite space and that you have to complete your entire message within that finite space. And the Chavitz Chaim says that that's how life is. Life is when we're young. We think that we have plenty of time. We think that, you know, time isn't really a threat. Maybe, you know, if I was 98 years old sitting in a nursing home, then maybe I should worry about the finiteness of time. But right now, I'm a young guy. I'm healthy, Baruch Hashem, and I, could, I have time. I don't have to worry about the constraints of time. So I write very leisurely. I do everything very relaxed, I'm very chilled, I'm doing, you know, I, I do what I want, when I want, I play video games as much as I want and I, and I read this as much as I want and I watch this as much as I want and I talk and I schmooze and some things are healthy, some things you need. I'm not saying that we should be, you know, completely robotic. We have to schmooze and we have to play ball and we have to do normal activities but we know that there's a gavol of how much we need and then the overindulgence. And that overindulgence is a very critical thing in our life, because the real time that we have to chaparain and to really make sure that we are growing as Bnei and we're becoming tamid hachamim like we desire to be, is now. Don't wait. Don't think that when you're my age, that's when you're going to start learning, because it ain't happening. When you're young and when you're single and when you don't have all of the reichayim al tzavar, you don't have... The yoke around your neck, like Hazal say, of a wife, of children, a of family, of, of of bills to pay. Now, this is the t- this is the prime of your life. Make no mistake about it. Right now, when you're in yeshiva, right now in of the talmud, this is it. It's not. Don't wait. Don't think. Well, you know, when, after I get married, that's when I'm going to start learning, or after I have children, or after I get my job, or after I retire. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not happening. Right now is when we have to start learning. And I'm telling you this as a friend. Because if no one ever tells you this, you're never going to realize it. Because we all kick the can down the alley. We all think, all right, later. Right now I'm going to do my own thing, but later. Later is not going to happen. Al There might never be a later. So the first lesson that we take from a chasna is to make sure to chaparain. Now, what does that mean, in terms of seder? In terms of seder, what it means is, and I'll tell you another thing that the stipler used to say, somebody came on the first day of the Zman to the stipler and said, could you please give me a bracha that I should have a good zman? So imagine if the stipler was standing right here and we would ask him for a bracha as we're starting off the zman, please bench us, the stipler, the holy stipler, his brachas were, you know, unbelievably powerful. You know, the stipler was hard of hearing, and so during the year when people would come to him, they would write little kvitlach for him, and he would, he would read it, and then he would give them a bracha. But one time a guy came on halamaya to the stipler, and, you know, you, didn't, you can't write uh, on halamaya, and if you do write, you're not going to write in front of the stipler. So, um, so uh, you know, he comes to the stipler, the stipler says, mm, you know, like, what, what? So he, he didn't know, how to, what, you know what he should do. He couldn't write anything. He wanted a bracha. So he's a smart guy, this guy that came to the stipler. So he went uh, by the bima in the, in the shul where the stipler was learning. It, was, it said, Visein bracha. You know, reminding the chazan and the tzibor that we we're at that time of year, Visein bracha. He took that sign off. He put it in front of the stipler, and the stipler gave him a bracha. If we were standing here today and the sti- we give the stipler a sign that says the same bracha, what would we expect the stipler to say to us? So we actually have a misa that somebody came to the stipler on the first day of the zman and asked the stipler, you know, for a bracha, for, that I should be matzliach with my chavrusas and with my learning and my chazara and my b'kiis and my bi'in and, and my musr and my, what do, give me a bracha. So the stapler says, I don't have any bracha to give you. I will just tell you one thing. Nobody was ever matzliach. I never knew anyone, and the stapler was an old man by now, and he went through many yeshivas, and he saw everything, and he knew everything. And he says, I have never seen a person that was matzliach, who came late to Seder, and who... Left Seder early. Now he might be a genius, the guy. It doesn't matter. I've never seen future hatslacha from somebody that just comes in late and leaves early. Never. And he said, I've never seen somebody that was not matsliach in learning who came on time and stayed till the end of Seder. I don't care how smart he is. I don't care how big a masman he is. I don't care what his yichas is. Where he learned in Eretz Yisrael, I don't care. I always saw continuous hatslacha from people that came to Seder on time and didn't leave before the end of Seder. Doesn't mean you have to, that you can't take a break in the middle of Seder. You need a coffee, gizante, take a coffee. Obviously, if you need to, you know, you need to chill for a few minutes and because you can't anymore, then you do what you have to do. But to come on time and to leave on time is the secret sauce of hatslacha as a bentaira. This is not my part. This is the cycler. You have to eat now, and drink now. Eat the Torah, drink the Torah, bathe in the Torah, think about Torah. The more that you're able to now and come to Seder on time and leave Seder at the proper time, first Seder, night Seder, Shabbos, davening, Maser, everything. If you come on time and you leave on time, that is what the disciple is telling us is the secret to success of a ben Let's take another lesson from a chasna. One of my favorite veratloch on there's a Zemr that's described Shabbos as kechala bein re'aseha what does that mean? Shabbos is like a kala who is flanked. She's surrounded by her friends. Shabbos is surrounded by her friends. Who are the friends of Shabbos? The friends of Shabbos are the days of the week. Says the stipler, what does this mean? That Shabbos is like a kala amongst her friends. Listen to the gorgeous vart of the Briskerov. It says like this. You go to a chasna and you see a kala and you want to know, like, like what's, what type of girl is she? I want to know my friend, he's a good friend of mine, he's getting married to this girl. What type of kala did he get? Now, you can't really tell how hatsniastic she is necessarily. I mean, sometimes you can, but, you know, very often, you know, by a, by a chasna, all kala's pretty much... Um, you know, wear the same wedding gown and it's all long sleeve and very, you know, very nice, very but you can't tell by the way she's dressed. You can't tell by the way, oh look, she's Davening, you know, with the tillum by the by the Badek in there. Everybody does that. That's part of that's from the handbook. Doesn't mean anything. How do you know what type of girl this girl is? How do you know if she's a good girl or not a good girl? Says the briskarov that you look at one thing. You shouldn't look at one thing, but a person should look at one thing, and that is, see what type of friends she has. See the friends that are at the chasna there. If you see that her friends are nice, from a fine girls, then you could probably assume that the kala is also that way if her friends are these rowdy eh, you know uh, you know that that might be an indication that the girl herself the caller herself might not be so IAI in terms of who she is says the briskarov that's the shot in the Zemer. How do you know how a person is based on Shabbos? If I look at everybody in Yeshiva on Shabbos and you look at me on Shabbos, we all look like good boys, right? We're all fine. We're dressed in our nice, in our white shirts and our ties and our suits and our frocks and our hats and our yarmulke, whatever it is that we're doing. But everybody looks so nice and fine and davening and and learning. and Everything is good. How do you really know, though, what's the test to see what's really going on about Shabbos? about this person. Because on Shabbos, you can't really tell. It's like a she, the kala, everyone looked, every looks. Every uh, cow looks from and looks, looks fine on her chasna. But if you look at the other days of the week, you look at how this person's Sunday is. How does he, how does he act on Sunday? How does he act on Monday when he goes to work? Is he still from? Is he still acting with Yerusha Is he still acting with integrity in the workplace? Is he still doing the right thing on, Mon- on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday? on Friday. How is his week? Shabbos is determined not by Shabbos itself. That's a no-brainer that everybody can act really, really from on Shabbos. But as Kikala Ben Reyesa Mishubbatz, the main praise of Shabbos is by looking at its friends at the weekdays. And then if the weekdays are fine, now you're able to realize that the Shabbos is also really good by this person. And this is another integral thing to take to our lives from a chasna. The way that you could tell how your zman is going to go, and this is so important, please listen to me very well. The way that you could tell how your zman is going to be, how your year is going to be, how your life is going to be, is bain re'yesa m'shubatzah. The chevra that you have, the chevra that you choose, is so Primary in determining how your zman will be. If you choose, even if you're learning nicely in Seder, and you do the first thing, you're hopping around Seder is great, but you go back to the dorm and now you're chilling and you're hanging out with people that are, that are not appropriate, okay? And they're, they're looking at things that they're not supposed to and they're spending time and they're talking in a way that's not appropriate and they're watching things and they're going places and whatever. And this is your chevra then chances are it's not going to bode well for your own aliyah in learning. It just won't. The way that you can make sure that you are on a good footing and you're going to shteig and you're going to have every, every opportunity to be matzliach in the zman is by making sure that your chavrusa is a fine person, your roommates are fine people, your friends are, are, are good, honest People that are B'nai Taira that are also growth oriented because all it takes, and I've seen this a thousand times, all it takes is one bad friend and it torpedoes a person's zman, year, and entire life. You know why? Because this is your friend, and this is your friend that's going to be giving you atis. He's going to be advising you when you're dating, he's going to be advising you how to get married, to whom to marry, what to do after you get married. Who is this guy? Is this the person that's supposed to, that knows anything? Is this a person that has a teredek hashkafa that he's gonna give you the right direction? He might completely derail you from having exactly the proper type of life that you want, but because you're listening to Eitzes and you're going places with people that are not appropriate, it's going to mess you up so badly. You can't even imagine. It might change one iota of an inch in your trajectory, but that will send you to a different planet. If I'm an engineer and I'm like trying to you know, make a rocket go to the moon, but it's, you know, it's tilted off by a centimeter, that, it's not going to the moon, it's going to Jupiter. That's just the way it is. Because by the time it gets millions of miles away, it's going to be all together on a different path. And that's what a bad friend is. If you have a good friend, there's nothing like it. If you could surround yourself in yeshiva with guys that their ikr diras kivah is in the base medrash, they love learning and they're always running back to the basement between classes and, 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 and before night Seder and after night Seder and into the wee hours of the night. That's your chevra. You're the luckiest man in the world. If you're hanging out with guys that, that gravitate towards the other side of the, of the campus, to the dormitories and to beyond, then you're wasting your time here. Because I'm telling you, it's not going to be good. You have to find... There's a famous vart about Yaakov and Esav. That Yaakov and Esav were babies. They were fetuses in, the, in their mother's stomach, in Rivka stomach. And when Yaakov, passed the base medrash of Shem v'Ever, he was kicking to get out. And all the Bali Musar asked, why is he kicking to get out? He had the greatest rabbi of all time. He had a malach teaching him kala on the mother's stomach. What does he want? Where is he running? It's better to go to Shem v'Ever. Better than learning from the rabbi from a malach hashem Tzavakas. and the answer that many give is that if you have a roommate like asav, then anything is better than that. If you're surrounded with an asav inside the womb, that's you know that's uh, that that's really not acceptable. I but I have a great rabbi. Rabbi is not going to do anything for you. If you're with asavs, then that is uh, the most dangerous decision that you can make in your life. And it will affect every single thing. Make no mistake about it. Everything will be affected by who you choose to associate yourself with. Who you cho- I'm not saying you should be you know, snobbish and elitist and not be nice. You should be nice to everybody. You should be friends with everybody. But in terms of who your real chevra is, I'm telling you from personal experience, if you have good friends, solid friends, your life will be different. If you have friends that are like, you know, on the border and this and that... And- you don't know how, how potentially problematic that could be for anybody in so many ways. And, and you have to really make sure if you're a kala, make sure to surround yourself by the right friends. The last yeside that I want to share with you from a chasna is a similar vart of the briskara, but a little bit of the opposite. How do you know who the chasin is by a chasna? Everybody knows the kala is wearing white. Right? It's very easy to see the, but the chassan is wearing a, probably a black suit, maybe a tuxedo. There's a lot of people running around with a black suit and a tuxedo. How do you know if you're coming into the hall and you don't know who the chassan is? How do you know exactly who the chassan is? So I saw recently a great vart that the way to determine who the chassan is is the one that takes the kala home. At the end of the chasna, who's the one that's going into the car with the kala? That's the chasn. Everybody else, the band packs up their music and the guests go home. The one that goes home with the kala is the main chasn. That, that, that's the chasn. What does that mean? It means that Torah is not just something that we learn in the Beis Medish during Seder. Tyra, if you want to be a chasan to the Tyra, you have to take the kala home. If the Tyra is the kala, you have to take it home. What do I mean, take it home? I mean that wherever you go, if you're on a bus, if you're on a train, if you're in the dorm going to sleep at night, or if you're, uh, you're at a chasna, that's the greatest example, right? How much, this drives me crazy about chasnas. I think it drives everybody crazy. I love the chuppah, and I love the dancing. I just can't stand that two-hour break between the chuppah and the dancing. There's no greater bitulzman, I think, in the world than that. You Times two hours by 500 guests, that's 1,000 hours of bitulzman. It's crazy. Now, people are not going to Dafyay Mishurim during that time. People are not going to their chavrusas during that time. People are not going. It's, 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 it's and it's an abundance of time. What do you do during that time? you just schmooze of the people on your table and make, make small talk that has absolutely no meaning? I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea, by the way, to bring in one of your Eizvahad or Gemaras, that makes everybody feel uncomfortable. But if you, if you take my advice, you print out before you go, daf uh, Dafbez. you have a chasna tonight, Print out Daf dafbeis. You go today on, you know, online, you can get a great printout of any daf and shas very easily, clear as day. Print it out, and then just fold it up and put it in your packet. And then by the chuppah, when you have you know, a half an hour before anyone's coming out, you open up, not, not, you don't tell everybody, you don't have to make a big, a big thing about it, but you just take it out and you learn it. And then after the break is after the, the chuppah is over and everybody's sitting by their tables, instead of schmoozing with people, either you sit by the table, you go to a side room, and you take that that and, and you'll own and and aleph because you had the foresight to do that beforehand. If you're not thinking about this beforehand, it's not gonna work. But you are in effect taking the tyra home with you. You're not wasting time. You're going to a doctor's office. You bring a Safer with you because you know you're going to have a, a, an hour wait there. You know it, at least. So you bring a Safer with you. And if you go on a plane, you bring a Safer with you. And wherever you go, it doesn't mean that you have to, like, always, you can also think sometimes, and you can also shmoo sometimes. I'm not saying that we have to be taira machines, but a person that really wants to be a chasen to the taira is somebody that always takes the Kala home. My Rebbe used to say that what a bentaira does is you go to sleep at night with a kasha and learning and you dream about it and you wake up in the morning with a teretz. And it, it, it works. If you ever go to sleep at night with a kasha, almost guaranteed you'll wake up with a teretz. Might not be a great teretz, but it's, it'll be a teretz. I saw Shmuel Rizovsky, the great Rashiva Panovich, they were selling on an auction uh, not too long ago a kunchress that he wrote and it was it, on the cover of the Kuntres. it says, Kuntjus sheneschad b'eis shinasi. These are chidushim that he came up with while he was sleeping. He used to keep a, a notebook by the side of his bed with a pen and he would think and learning while he was sleeping, and he'd wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning, and I guess he'd say a quick birch of or something, and he would start jotting down all the khidushin that came to him at night. If you go to sleep at night with Akasha and learning, first of all, it saves you from a lot of other, you know, hirurim and all that stuff, but besides for that, your brain will be tairidik. You're taking the kala home with you. It's not just during starim that you have to learn, it's bena starim, and it's bena zmanim, and, it's and it's that, that's how people are shtaygen, that's how people are really matzliya. So these are three you say this. First of all, the Hazanishas is also a wedding hall. you say that if you build. These sides, stark, if it's strong you say this. the building will be strong. You start the Zman off on the right foot. You come to Seder on time. You come to davening on time. And you come maybe before davening. and you learn. And then you make a, a Chavrusah and Musar Seder because it's elo. And then you make a Chavrusah and then you're Mavr Sedra uh, during the week. And you're able to learn Chalmish Rashi. And you're able to uh, do Bikiyas and Yechazah what you learned last year. You find time for everything. You will have an amazing Zman because the Yisaitis are strong strong. We learn together that you have to chap rein, a chasna. you have to run into the shmorg and chap everything that you can because it's finite. That's how you have to take every day on. Don't assume that there's a tomorrow. Do everything that you can today to make sure that you're getting as much tairah, as much yirish into your tank as possible because this is what's going to really last you your entire life. Only a good chavra this is so important, I know that we like having friends and sometimes it's cool to have friends that are cool, I get that but make sure that those friends that are cool are, are, have your ideals in mind because if, the, if they're just like cool and you're just like attracted to what they do and what, whatever they say and that's Terem Sinai it's going to be a big problem It's much better to have a little bit of a nerdier friend, but they're situated in the base medish and their ideals are good and strong and these are going to be good influences on you and you on them. That is going to be the secret to your success. That is going to be the secret to your success. And finally, how do you know who the chassan is? The chassan is the one that takes the kala home. The chassan is the one that always has a safer with him, always has a, a piece of paper in his pocket, an index card with chidushim, Hazring shir, whatever it is, the person that's always chazring, always learning, always growing, that's the person that is the chassan of the Torah. I want to end with one, with one final cite, if I may. There used to be a, a very great Talmud Chacham who lived not far from my house, and he learned with my father, al B'chavrusa, he was a Talmud of Aaron Cutler, Talmud of Huttner. His name was Rebilyo Ramanik. And a great Talmud Chacham, a very, he did a lot with his life. But he used to say one, you cite, and I, I remember it so clearly. He said as follows. He says, you go to a chasna, And at the Khasna there is so much going on. There's so much going on. There's so much food. How much food? Could you imagine being a caterer at a, at a chasna? I, don't, I never can understand how they do that. They have to bring, you know, let's say they're, they're doing it in some gaisha hall. They have to bring, 10, 000, you know, 10,000 plates, literally. They have to bring the big plates and the small plates and the shmork plates and the, the silverware. They must have a checklist, like, as long as, you know, as long as this. And... And then they have to bring all the food, the salt shakers. They can't forget anything. There's so much food at a chasna, at a shmorg, at the main, at the dessert. It never ends. There's so much drinking going on. Whether there is a bar or there's no bar, there's always so much drink. There's so much music. There's band playing when you come in. There's a string quartet and then there's people, then there's a singer and then there's a this and there's that. There's so much at a chasna. And then there's the benches, there's the tablecloths, there's the flowers. There's a million things, a million components go into the chassab. You know what happens at the end of the night? At the end of the night, the caterer breaks down the room, they pack up all the plates, they put them in some truck, all the silverware gets carted away, the food is, you know, mostly thrown in the garbage, whatever's left of it, and the music dissipates in the air. There's really nothing left of a chasna at the end. You know, I was once sitting at a chasna in a very fancy place. With a, I was sitting at a random table next to a very, uh, seemed like a successful doctor, a surgeon of some sort. And I, I said, you know, how are you? We're making small talk. And I said, such a beautiful chasna hall. He says, yeah, I married off uh, my daughter here actually a couple of weeks ago. I said, oh, Mazalta, very nice. He says, yeah, the, the only way that I could really uh, properly describe the experience is that you buy a brand new Ferrari, you drive it around like the you know the block like for two hours, three hours, and then you kick it off the cliff. That's basically what making a chasna is, and it's true. What do you get from it? at The end of the day, what's left after you spend one hundred, two hundred thousand dollars? Literally, you know, what's left? There's no food left at the. It's one night, no food left, no drink left. No no ban left. No, what? everything is gone. Everything. Everything. Every, the whole room is broken. And you come back the next morning, it's like there was, no, there was no chasna there. What's left? At the end of a chasna, what's left, Rabbi say? There's one thing that remains at the end of the chasna. The kedusha. The kedushan. The only thing that remains at the end of a night of a chasna is the Kedusha. That's it. There's nothing else. They're married. That's what, that's what the takeaway of the whole thing is. And he says, that's really our life. Our life... We're running here, we're running there, and we have to. We have to make Parnasa, and we have to make a good Parnassa, and we have to eat and we have to drink, and we have to get a car, and we have to go buy a house, we have to pay a mortgage, and have to you and we have to get married, we have to have children, we have to marry off our children, we have to have a community, we have to have a shul, we have to build a this, and we have to go here and advance our career and get a new job. And there's so much that goes on in life, so much. But at the end of the day, when life is all over and you take like one final accounting of what remains, it's only the Kedusha. The holiness that you invested in this world and that you invested in yourself, the Torah that you learned, the Yerushalayim that you have, the type of home that you built, that are built on the foundations of kedusha Vitara, the children that you raise, the, the, the shirim that you're going to be giving, tzashem, the shirim that you're going to be listening to, the tzedakah that you give, the chesed that you engage in, all of that, those are things that are real. That's what remains after this whole world is over. This whole world is, is a bluff. It's Mamash a bluff. It's a bluff of a world. People are like running after these things as if they're, gonna, they're building houses like they're going to live for a thousand years in them. And they're buying cars as if like, it doesn't make sense. I understand it. I'm, I'm American. I, found, I, I understand it on a certain level, but it just doesn't make sense. It's such a waste because at the end of the day, the only thing that will remain is the Kedusha. And if you're able to understand that at your age in life, you're going to be the most amazing people in the world. But don't get bogged down by all of the, all of the other stuff of this wedding of life. The food and the drink and then obsess the you know, restaurants every night and this, that and, and sushi. And everything is it's just a bluff. Obviously, you have to eat. Obviously, once in a while, you should make it nice for yourself. You should go out and, and take your wife out and and. and but the main thing that we have to really always focus on is the Kedusha. Because that's all we have in life. That's the only thing at the end that when you're a hundred years old, you're looking back in your life, you're not going to remember all the other sh'tusim and The thing that you will remember is, how much learning did you do? How many times did you chazer uh, m'sachas p'sachim? How many times were you maver How many times did you uh, daf did, uh, did you finish shas with daf how much tzedakah did you have? How much chesed, family? That's the only thing that matters. And if we know that today, then can you imagine how we could focus our attention on those things primarily? Not to ignore anything else. Obviously, you have to go and you have to engage in careers and make money and etc. But But the main purpose of your life, the main dagish, the main nekudas hachayim has to be taira, has to be your shamayim. It has to be how could I do more for the Rabbeinah Shalom? How could I get from her? How could I get more more connected to him? How could I be a better friend, a better chavrusah, a better, a better child, a better uh, neighbor? How do I do that? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? If a person is able to remember that, and especially now in yeshiva, that will start off the zman on the right foundation. You're going to start and you're going to focus, okay, what am I going to do? How much... Extra star am I gonna make. Obviously if things are, are too hard for you and you you know you're gonna and it will get hard, midterms and finals, then you, you pull back a little bit and you do less less learning because that's all baked into the to the to the ideals of the yeshiva. You have to learn but you also have to do well in school. But but during the times of this man that you don't need to uh, to be that much into your into your college work, so then you should You should learn in the base matters as much as you can speak and learning to people, take walks with people, and, 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 and listen to shiurim, and, 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 and engage in, in, in chidushim, and whatever you do, just make sure that the kedushah is the focus, because at the end of the day, once it all boils down, whatever is what remains at the end of the life, after the whole chasna is packed away, and everything is gone, and the room is now clean, is that kedushin, that harayat mekudeshessli. And the more that we're able to mekadish the rabbi through our life, through our learning, through our living, the more that we're able to um, be the Avdei Hashem that we so truly want to be. And um, let me just give you a Birchaz Hedget that you should have an amazing Zman. You should chaparain every single minute and do the right thing and get the right chevra and take the Torah home with you. And um, you should build very strong Kisharim. This is also vital. Build very strong Kisharim with your Abayim, with myself, with Avrechem, try to connect to people that are older, a little bit wiser maybe than you. That's where you should be getting your Hadracha from, your Eitzes from. Don't go to friends for, for Eitzes. So many people, you know, they're, they're dating and they're, or they're, they're looking for a career choice and they're asking people that really are not equipped to, to, to make decisions for you. If your parents you feel are, then, then ask your parents. And if, you, if your parents might not be aware of all the issues that you're dealing with, then ask a rabbi. Ask myself, people that have been around a little bit longer than you, and have. But if you if you're doing it on your own, or you're doing it with your, it's not the same. It's not the same, and it might have undes- unexpected consequences because you didn't understand that this might lead to that. So you should have a wonderful zman. We're so happy for the new talmidim that you're here, for the old talmidim that you're back, and we look forward to having a beautiful kesher myself with every single one of you, yourselves with every single one of you, cross-pollinate, make sure that you're getting to know one another and and, and really establish good ksharim and amitza Hashem, we should be zecheh, to have a beautiful elo and a wonderful new year, agotin chaydesh, and amitza Hashem, we shall get uh, more and more connected as the zman goes on. Thank you.